Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's Tuesday, December 19th. Your Ben Jarofsky show starts right now. Today on the show, Ben welcomes back just in time for the holidays, good friend and attorney at law, Adolfo Mondragon. The Ben Jarofsky show is a presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. If you want to know what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to drink, you got questions, ChicagoReader.com has answers. All you got to do is spend a little time there. You'll learn something. you have a little fun. And if you want more Ben Jarofsky, he's there too. Just head to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V is in victory. S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this I Miss You, Eddie Tuesday, and here's why. The Eddie in that sentence is, of course, Alderman Ed Burke. Former Alderman, I should say, with me is Adolf Mondragon. Uh, We're going to continue with the world's greatest coverage of the Ed Burke trial. It's been rated by uh, experts across the land. So, oh, my God, there's no better coverage of Alderman Ed, former Alderman Ed Burke's uh, corruption trial, which you're not allowed to call corruption in the courtroom. Don't you call it corruption, <laughs> which kind of exposes the, <laughs> what a farce this thing is. Uh, then the Ben Jarofsky show. Actually, the only person who ever said that was Ben Jarofsky, but so what? Someone said it. Doesn't that count for anything? I miss you. Uh, Eddie uh, alludes to the fact that there's not going to be any more daily articles, wrap-ups, write-ups, my beloved bright one, home delivered. <laughs> Chicago Sun-Times coverage has been keeping me going. A little shout-out to Johnny Seidel and Maria Wolfel. Uh, they tag team. I guess uh, she does it for BEZ. He does it for um, the bright one, the Sun-Times, and I, which I get as a daily newspaper. I'm just going to throw this out, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not an expert on electronics. I'm just going to say this. Sun-Times. You know, there's no more loyal reader of you in the entire Chicago area. All right. So I'm allowed to criticize you. Your Internet stuff stinks. Just if you want an out notion, whenever I send Adolfo or any guest like an article related to Burke, if I send it to the Sun-Times Internet site, they got to go through hell to get the thing. You got to log in here. It's And then it goes, this is free. Oh, if it's so free, how come it's like crawling through barbed wire to get at? But when you go to BEZ, boom, bada bing. All right. You're owned by the same company. My complaint of the day. <laughs> Sorry. I, you know what, Adolf? I should be a little kinder to the Sun Times because their coverage has kept me going. And that's my point. I've thrived <laughs> on this case uh, and for so long. And I'll tell you why. And then I'll kick it to you, Adolfo, for your thoughts before we take the specifics of where we are right now. Then I'll start with why I said I miss you, Eddie, because there will be no more daily updates on the on 
the shenanigans of the trial itself, testimony in the trial itself, how Burke was responding to uh, witnesses and that thing, because now uh, the official trial is over. It's in the hands of the jury. As we speak, deliberation has begun. For all we know, a verdict could come in while we're recording this way. I doubt it. Uh, And so there's just like the end of like a, a great little ride for me. And why did I like it so much? Because it exposed so much about Chicago. The Burke trial exposed not just the way powerful politicians in Chicago use their power or try to use their power to coerce people into doing things for them, like hiring the property tax appeal business, but also the mindset of Chicagoans. See, Adolfo, you've heard me on this subject many, many times. Listeners have heard me on this subject many, many times. I don't care. I'm going to keep saying it because Chicago, this trial is about you. This trial is about your mentality, that little Chicago mentality that puts up with people like Ed Burke for so long. This guy was running this racket for how many years? And Chicago would just look the other way. Like, well, this is just how it goes then in Chicago. How many times you but then this is how things happen in Chicago. And then the little myths they tell, Chicagoans tell each other. It's like, Ed Burke is the smartest man in the Chicago City Council. Only Ed Burke could run the finance committee. Hello, Chicago. Anyone could run the finance committee. You could take any person off the street of Chicago and put them in there. Get a competent lawyer to, next to them. Bada boom. Could run the finance committee. All right. Nothing Ed Burke did required that much intelligence. And yet Adolfo. The reverence that mainstream Chicago had for Ed Burke was so smart. What a brilliant man. <laughs> it's like, you think he was Einstein. You know, you think he was Leonard Bernstein. Someone with like real brains, you know, Miles Davis, okay? Coltrane, you know, some genius. You know, you ever see somebody like outside of Chicago put these names together? John Coltrane, Albert Einstein. <laughs> Leonard Bernstein, Pablo Picasso, Ed Burke. No one, no one outside of Chicago would think in terms like genius, add Ed Burke to that list. But in Chicago, oh, man, he's so smart. Yeah, he knows where the bathroom is in City Hall. And when a rookie alderman comes in, he tells him, you go down the hall to the left, and then you bear right. And for that, they're like, whoa. Just continue to be the finance chair for as long as you want, Ed Burke. And by the way, run a property tax appeal business on the side. And by the way, we'll look the other way while you're like twisting the arms of guys who have their paws out for TIF handouts, which they shouldn't get in the first place anyway. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Chicago with the TIF program. Oh, you are very complicated. Chicago's TIF program. Oh, Chicago, the little lies and myths you tell yourself to convince yourself that your city is well run and in good hands. It's it's like a bunch of lunatics. All right, Adolfo, I'll stop. But that's why I'll miss the Burke trial so much. Okay, Adolfo, let me introduce him. Uh, World-renowned trial lawyer, dear friend of the Ben Jarofsky show, total expert on music. We could talk a whole show on Leonard Bernstein. We're not going to do that, okay? Uh, 
And also, he one time worked for Ed Burke, who's in the belly of the beast. All right. So he knows. A- <laughs> and he cannot stand Danny Solis. I don't know. Is that accurate, Adolfo? First of all, welcome back, Cotter. Thank, thank you, Ben. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan. I'm not, I've never been a big fan of Danny. In fact, if you recall, back when uh, Medrano ran against him uh, after he came out of jail, I represented voters that voted early for Medrano, whose yes. votes were discounted against Danny. And because of that margin, like 20 some votes, Danny was able to avoid a runoff against Cuauhtémoc uh, Morphine. Yes. And the federal court just kind of basically said, like, nah, nice try, but no. Well, okay, so I wrote this, and we're on a tangent before we get to this, uh, that Danny Solis, okay, Danny Solis is the alderman of the 25th Ward. I know everybody listening knows this, but there could be the one person who doesn't know this. Uh, he's the alderman of the 25th Ward for years and years and years, and he's the one who got in trouble with the feds uh, and then ended up wearing a wire, and he brought down Burke, as far as Burke's were brought down. You owe this a, fl- a thanks to Danny. I, I've said this all along. A statue should be erected <laughs> for Danny. It's the least, okay? He's done more to reform Chicago. You know, you know, wait, wait. You know what? They do have a statue for him. It's that big rat that comes out when the unions, uh, when the unions are, are protesting somebody. That's Danny's uh, uh, effigy. That'd be the rat. Know? The big rat. The big rat. Yeah. Oh, that is so unfair, Danny. I I believe a legit statue, not Scabby the rat, but a legit. Uh, anyway, um, I uh, wait. I will, there, will that statue have uh, on one palm uh, uh, a can of Viagra and on the other? <laughs> Like a massage parlor menu or something like that, or what? <laughs> okay, the uh, the wisecracks uh, of Mr. Mondragon are alluding to uh, stipulation. I think it was in the Sun-Times. So the reason Danny wore the wire was not because he woke up one day and goes, you know what? I think it's time we expose corruption in the city of Chicago. <laughs> I have just, I have had it here with the corruption. Everybody knew what was going on. Those mayors you elected, Chicago, Daly and Rahm, you love them, you revere them. They knew it was going on. Everybody knew it was going on. It wasn't like Danny just one day and said, you know what? I've had it up to here, Adolfo. I'm going to wear a wire. And he called the feds. Hello, feds? No, they nailed him on some charges where he's exchanging favors for Viagra. I forget. Bright one had it. Sometimes just shout out to the Sun. You know, as soon as the Sun Times saw Viagra was involved, it's like, boss, give me a rewrite. <laughs> That'll wake people up. Viagra. That'll wake you up in more ways than one. I like this. Thing. <laughs> um, sorry, folks. I was really. Uh, anyway, uh, so I've often said, I, Danny Solis is more uh, uh, lives than a cat because this dude, so many times he's on the ropes. Think about it, Adolfo. So many. You followed because. Adolfo knows Southwest Side politics as well as anyone in the city of Chicago. Yeah, I started doing election law cases right around the time where they had Danny Dead's right. And you wrote about it with uh, the, the the signature that probably one of his daughters signed for him on his candidacy papers. And uh, and then you wrote that great article where uh, it talked about was it you wrote the article about Danny meeting some guy at that bar on Chicago <laughs> Avenue. Yeah, that was a great article. We must go back and look at that. That's a great uh, article. Thanks, man. Yeah, Danny was wearing a hat down low and like you know <laughs> it was uh Betty's, it was Betty's nightclub on, on Chicago Chicago and like Ashland Avenue, I think. Wow, damn, well, you have a good memory. Something, I don't something like that. Chicago I, and something, but it was Betty's. Betty's yeah. Line Star Bar or something like that. Uh I um 
Yeah, I remember that so well. It was just one of those moments in Chicago. I think it was in the 90s. It was a long time ago. I mean, it was early O's or 90s. They had them on the road. No, no. It was was after I got out of law school. So it was Yeah, it was was the O's. Okay. I've lost track of time. All right. They had him on the ropes, ladies and gentlemen, and then the election judge said, yeah, let's let him off the ropes. This dude has more lives in a cap. But if this jury acquits Burke, he will officially have more lives than Danny Solis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Where do we start? All right, I'll just start with this, uh, Adolfo. In my humble opinion, and you weigh in, and feel free to vigorously disagree with me, uh, in my humble opinion, that was the lamest defense <laughs> I think I've ever seen. <laughs> the Burke defense. The Burke defense consisted of like ridiculing Danny Solis uh, and in between sobbing, sobbing for poor Ed, oh, poor baby. There is more crying going on by Ed Burke and his lawyers over Ed Burke's uh prosecution than LeBron James in a basketball game when he like barrels into <laughs> someone. <laughs> uh am I unfair to the Ed Burke defense to team? Feel free to defend the defense, Adolfo. Now I agree with you. As, as I said the last time we were here talking about this case, uh Burke's attorneys, no doubt, high caliber, you know probably graduates of very prestigious universities. I haven't looked up their records, but I'm assuming if you work for a big firm like that, more likely than not, you're an Ivy League graduate uh, and you're making tons of money a year and you have ample resources and experiences and they send you to boot camp to learn how to do a trial and everything. But, you know, when you're working with chicken shit to make chicken salad, it's a hard, it's a, it's a hard day at, at the job. And, uh, that defense, I mean, and what I from what I've read from the newspapers is apparently the lead attorney is very bombastic and dramatic in his uh, um, uh, speeches to the to the uh, his orations to the jury. But uh, come on, the the defense of the prosecution didn't have the decency to bring Danny Solis and speak for himself. They just allowed those tapes to play and with no commentary from, from, from Danny, no, the, the, the decency argument. It's uh it's such weak shit. Yeah. I think the part that they try to build something, make chicken salad, uh, a tr- tasteable, at least or something is their, their argument is, is kind of, we were talking about this. It's, it's a quasi entrapment argument. Now they, they didn't go with an entrapment argument. Entrapment argument is an affirmative defense. You have to raise it in order to argue it. And they didn't. But an entrapment basically has two elements. One, you have to establish that the government induced you to commit a crime, right? And two, the important part is that you have to demonstrate that you were not the type of person who was predisposed to committing this type of crime or a crime. And so as we recall, I recall back, you know, when I was maybe in college, uh, Alderman Frias, former Alderman Frias, uh, was the government tried him on some corruption charges, taking bribes, I think, and he used a, an entrapment argument, and the jury acquitted him. Mm. And if I remember, they and but he had to argue entrapment because, if I recall correctly, they had him on tape accepting the bribe, and then a couple days later he changed his mind and he returned the money to the dude, and so his argument was like. 
well, I took the money, but I was, you know, I'm not the kind of, they induced me to take it, but I changed my mind and I'm a good guy. And, you know, really they entrapped me into taking his money. Here, Burke didn't raise it, I'm thinking, because he would have to admit that he committed a crime, right? Mm-hmm. But his excuse would be that he was induced to do it and that he's a good guy. He has a great background. He's a lawyer, an alderman. He's not predisposed to taking this type of, you know, making this type of shakedown. So they didn't go with the entrapment defense, but in, but in essence, they are arguing it because the bulk of their argument is, ladies and gentlemen, none of these witnesses ever claimed that they were shaken down until the FBI knocked on their door and said, hey, you were shaken down. That's what happened. Now you have to testify for us. So in essence, they are basically saying that the government set Burke up. That yeah. no one can, if it's kind of like that, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one and you, you know, does do you hear a sound, right? If no one's around. Well, here it's kind of like, well, did Brooke commit a crime if no one complained about his behavior and his actions? Did it amount to a crime? And they're basically saying it, it's only a crime now because the government went up in their face, up into the witnesses' faces and said, hey, we have wires of what happened and what happened was a crime and you should know that and we want you to testify on our behalf. So they're essentially, basically, they're using this word that it's a lot of noise and basically they're saying, look, it's much ado about nothing, right? To go into the Shakespearean uh, uh, quotes here, much ado uh, uh, about nothing because essentially this is regular political horseplay or whatever they call it. And it didn't become a big issue until the feds jumped in and said, Hey, it's an issue. What he, what he, what he was trying to do here is illegal and you people need to testify on behalf. And so that's basically, they're arguing an entrapment argument without raising an entrapment argument, essentially. All right. So let me break uh, your uh, thesis into two parts and I'll deal uh with the affirmative uh, case you have to put forward first. Uh, if you are, and I'm not a lawyer, I always say this, but I read a lot of legal novels. All right. So if you're going to make uh, the argument that it's affirmative, based on what you're saying, uh, I would think that you have to make, I'm, I'm sorry, that it's entrapment, that you, and you, what, you have to put up a case that demonstrates uh, the second point, that this uh, defendant would not ordinarily right. behave this way unless he was induced or entrapped to behave this way. Right, but for Yeah, but for okay, uh, and uh, but for argument. And so to do that, you have to make a, an argument. You have to put people on the stand to either say, "Oh, what a great guy Ed Burke is," and I've tried to woo him. I've tried to give him property tax. Right. He said, "No, I cannot do it because that would be a violation of the separation." You got to right. do that. Or, and this is the point, you got to put uh, Ed Burke on the stand himself. Right? I mean, right. Doesn't it sort of, I don't know if it's apps. Right. And because I, it's an affirmative defense, it's your burden to demonstrate that you're not predisposed to this. Yeah. And so not only do you have to basically admit, basically, that what you were doing was criminal, but you have to also then prove that you are not the type that would have done this if the government hadn't brought it to you on a golden plate with a ribbon and then said, do it, yeah. you know? So yeah. that's a more difficult place to be in uh, because you have to make certain admissions and the burden is on you to prove this. Whereas you do this quasi argument 
The burden is not on you. It's still on the government to prove that you committed these crimes. But now you run interference and say, no, no, this this wasn't a crime. It was a crime only because they're saying it's a crime. Yeah. And so you so it's so it's nuanced in that way and that you're essentially saying entrapment, but you're not admitting that you committed any anything criminal. And the burden is not on you. It's still on the government to prove that you committed these things. So in your humble opinion, to make this kind of uh, case, would it wouldn't it require Ed Burke to testify? Yeah, I would think so. I would think so, because and then you'd have to have these people like Robert Kennedy go up there and be like, Oh, he's such a great guy. He's so honest. <laughs> and then, and then his local priest up there, like, you know, he yeah. comes to mass every day at 8 AM. I've never seen a more honest person ever, blah, blah, blah. You know, one time I, I saw a guy try to give him a bribe and he was like, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's what you would need. Uh, and you'll probably, if he is, if the, if the jury comes in with a guilty verdict and it gets to, uh, you come to that stage or sentencing, you will see. Because in sentencing, then you have a, uh, the ability to to put evidence to mitigate the sentence. Right. Yeah. That's where you could bring in letters of support and people like I was a cripple and he gave me, you know, five thousand dollars for a surgery and blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, you're going to see all these aldermen. What come forth? <laughs> what a great guy. <laughs> oh, my God. I, the, I'm telling you, you're gonna, I didn't know where the copy machine was. And Ed Burke showed me <laughs> this city couldn't run without Ed Burke. Oh my God. Well, we've had two finance committee chairs since Ed Burke, ladies and gentlemen. They've done fine. Scotty Wagsback, Pat Dow, Pat Dow. No problem. Somehow or other, they became they ran the finance committee without having a property tax appeal business on the side. And you'll still find Chicagoans go, this city got Ed Burke. So okay, so you'll hear though, yeah, those suck ups uh, in the um, uh, in in the, if it comes to sentencing. Uh, right. So all right, so yeah, so I do believe that's why you just answered your own question why they couldn't actually raise the entrapment uh, argument because right because you have without. to make certain admissions and say like yeah, yeah what you were doing was and you knew it was bad but but you wouldn't have done it but for the government inducing no. you. All right, uh, so that uh, uh, it gets to um, uh, the the second issue that you raised, which was raised by Ed Burke's um, lawyer at some point. I can't remember when. And that is the notion that when I read this in the bright one, I was la- I actually laughed out loud when I read this, uh, where the lawyer said, and I'm paraphrasing, um, that this. No, there are no victims in this case. It's kind of like what Trump says in his business broad case. There are, nobody complained about this. There were no victims coming forward to say I was injured. It was only after the feds, uh, as you pointed out, brought their case to put their case together that they sort of forced these people to testify against Burke or uh, to accuse him of, of wrongdoing. So like the, the uh, Burger King guy who uh, Burke, linked uh, allegedly a zoning request uh, to hiring his property tax appeal to not on his own go forth and say I was victimized. And I had a laugh. This is why I laugh, Adolfo, because the strength of Ed Burke 
was this notion, which, by the way, mainstream media, heck of a job because you promoted it for all these years, that he was invincible, that he was untouchable, that he was so powerful, that he controlled the city, that the city couldn't run without him because he's so smart, so brilliant, so wise. And by the way, his wife is a Supreme Court justice. Let's not forget that part of the equation. He made all these judges. He used his position of power with the Cook County Democratic Party. All these judges are Ed Burke like factotums a certain degree or allies or what have you. So, you know, that's why they didn't come forward because they were like, you can't beat Ed Burke. He's too powerful. If I come forward, they'll, they'll slice and dice me and I'll go be nowhere and I'll still be indebted or owe him or have to come before him. That's why. Not because. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and to that point, I'll, I'll, I'll mention again, back with the campaign finance case that I had, after the decision from the Illinois Supreme Court came down and clearly drew the best line they could and said, well, at the very least, if you've been indicted of political corruption, then that means you can't use this money to defend yourself. Well, hello, has anyone raised their hand for the city council and filed a complaint against Burke or Madigan? None of them, even though now they have a legal case from the Illinois Supreme Court that says that these people need to refund that money, pay that money back that they use from the campaign coffers to, and we're talking about millions of dollars now. We're not talking about a couple grand here, yeah. you know, but will anyone raise their hand and say what they did is wrong. And now the Supreme court has spoken on this and no, all it takes is for someone to file a fucking complaint yeah. and do it, but no one will because no. that's Byron Cisco Lopez was the named plaintiff on that case against Danny Solis for the campaign finance issue, which we've talked about here in the past. Tried to get a letter of support from the city council, and he circled it around saying that we need some kind of electoral reform on these campaign issues to make it more clear that you can never, not even if you get, not until you get indicted, but if you've been accused of it, right? And that what Burke and uh, Madigan did was wrong. No one would fucking sign it. None of the progressives would sign it. N nobody, nobody would sign it because there's no upside to it. They're like, why the fuck should I put my neck out on the line? Even when they're giving you the, the legal support to go out and claim that what these people did is wrong and that, that the people should be restituted for their, for the payments they made in confidence that this was going to be used for campaigning, not for defending themselves in court against political corruption. So to your point, nobody complained against yeah. Burke because there's no upside to it. Why the fuck would you put your, you just, you know what, call it a loss and you mitigate your losses. And you said, well, they fucked up my permits for my Burger King. You know what? I'll deal with it. And, uh, you know, we'll just have the same driveway for a while, you know, and you <laughs> chalk it up to that. Yeah. Oh, no, this that's yes. There's no upside to it. Wow. And I'll, I'll take it a step further uh, because I'm speaking about a category that I, I'm usually put into uh, when it comes to Chicago. And uh, you hang around with me long enough, Adolfo, you're going to be put into this category. Uh, and this category in Chicago is called Gadfly. All right. And so uh, I discovered this. I come to Chicago, move to Chicago. I look at the way the city runs. I'm like, oh my God, this is so freaking corrupt. This, <laughs> the way these dailies run this city. And so it's like one step away from Mussolini or something. Okay. So obviously I, you got to speak out. So I've been speaking out against this stuff since whenever. Okay. The eighties, the nineties. And 
People say, look, Ben, what are you doing? People would say, what are you doing in your career? You're never going to get to work at the Tribune. You know that, don't you? Like, I want to work at the Tribune. I once got a letter. I'll not name the the guy's name. He's some writer for the Tribune for years. He goes, you are hurting yourself. You are hurting yourself. (laughs) You're going to be working for that reader for the rest of your life. Because no one, you're too outside of where the mainstream is. You've got to go along with it. And so I think of all the characters who just like lost their minds and went against it. I'm thinking right now of Frank Coconati. May you rest in peace. He passed on. Oh, wow. At the end of his mind, he, at the end of his life, I do believe he he went totally MAGA on us all. Yeah. And he went to totally just right wing Trump guy. But before that, he was railing against the dailies. He hated the dailies and the way they ran business and Burke. He would such contempt and reporters would take his stuff and then mock him. You know what I'm saying? Like he right. had all the mock him because no one wanted to be like a Frank right. Coconati. You don't want to be on the outside. You follow what right. I'm saying? I mean, you want to be right. on the inside. And that's it gets to the heart of why no, like the Burger King guy at what am I gonna you this would just destroy me to go up against this guy. Well, I mean, I know it personally too, because you know, as you know, I ran for office a couple of times and even though I was aligned correctly on the issues and I was, and, and, and I was going against alleged corrupt officials, um, no one, not even on the progressive side would, 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 you know, put a, you know, get close to me because it's not the right thing to do in this town. You have to let people play by the rules and you can't call them out on corruption. Um, it makes a good story, but it doesn't, it doesn't make good for good politics or for good political career. And that's why eventually I learned and I don't regret anything of running because I, I, you know, I did pretty well for what I, for, for what I had in terms of funding. But um, it's just, uh, I, I've been in that position my whole life. I mean, when you said that I, I worked for Burke for a very small period of time, a couple months, but when I met with him, he told me this great story that I didn't, I wasn't aware of. I think I've told you before. He said, Adolfo, are you familiar with the story about when uh, the media um, uh, asked, uh, who was the FBI, the head of the FBI? What's his name? I'm, why am J. I? J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover, what he thought about. No, when they asked Lyndon Johnson what he thought about uh, J. Edgar Hoover. Mm-hmm. And Lyndon Johnson said, I'd rather have him inside my tent pissing out than outside my tent pissing in. And essentially, that's basically the heart of the argument here is that People, there's no upside to complaining about the way you're just you're hurting yourself. You're not just abide by it and turn the other, you know, close your eyes to it and put your head in the sand or whatever. And and even maybe profit from it. You know, I mean, in my career, my legal and political career uh, for, you know, didn't go very far, but didn't go very far because people would tell me like, man. You stupid! Why don't you take one of these cush jobs and make six figures and just shut the <laughs> fuck up and and let 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 things lie and they'll hook you up, dude. They'll yeah, hook up yeah. a smart guy like you and then you you run with it. And you know what? For for most people, they do that because they have no skill. These politicians, they career politicians. I mean, we're not talking about Burke because Burke was actually a, a, a police officer and a lawyer. I don't know that he ever practiced much as a lawyer, but what I'm saying is he wasn't your regular Jamok who like just doesn't have any skills, but these dudes take these jobs and, 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 and don't say anything because they, they, 
they they rely on this uh, corruption or at least this patronage or whatever uh, to to survive because they have no other skills. I'm a lawyer. I have skills. And not only that, I have scruples. I have morals. So I'm never going to take the easy payday, you know, and it's to the detriment of my own political career because I don't have a political career anymore. And to you, the same thing. They would tell you the same thing to the detriment of your journalistic endeavors. But it's it's such bullshit. Yeah. By the way, uh, I'm going to riff on a couple things you said. But number one, I was there on Election Day in 2012 when Adolfo ran for state Senate. I'll never forget it. We hung out together. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it was a worthwhile endeavor because win or lose that night, I ate his mother's chimichangas. Those <laughs> things were so damn good. It, it was the post-election party. Uh, it was someplace in Bridgeport, as I recall. Like, oh, yeah, it was. Uh, I remember Joe Truton, our good friend Joe Truton, uh, hooked up a place, uh, Benton House, I think it's called. Yeah, it? yeah, someplace in Bridgeport. I went there. I'm like, Damn, these things are good. God dang. Uh, anyway, a little side there. Um, okay, I just want to make it clear. Uh, I'm going to pick up on what you said. There are a lot of really smart, capable people who are uh, highly skilled who are part of the, the machine. And when I say the machine, it's sort of like, in this case, I'm talking about the legal machine. Like your law firm is hooked up uh, with the city, would never, ever, ever take a case that would make a daily or a ROM look bad. Now they may take it, you know, they think, well, Brandon's, Johnson's weak. I think go against him, but they would never, ever take a case uh, against uh, uh, daily uh, or ROM. They don't speak out when they sell like, when they sell the Skyway for a fraction of what it's worth, when they sell the parking meters for a fraction of it's worth, when they sell parking garages for a fraction of what it's worth, when they're running this this like racket with the TIP program, they don't say a word. Just feed at the trough. But there's some very that said, they make they they make their deal with the devil, okay? Uh, but they're really good at what they do. I'm I'm saying right now, I'm not sure Burke ever showed that he was actually good at. Law. He ran a property tax appeal business. Adolfo, I'm sorry. I I am I say this over and over again. That is not Earl Warren material. And okay, I'm just gonna put that. <laughs> Nothing against property tax lawyers. But come on. I, first of all, he didn't even do the work. Some clerk did the work. Anyway, no, absolutely. There's there's intellectual legal work, and then there's just run-of-the-mill legal work, and it's all necessary, but there is a big difference in terms of the brain power yeah. that you have to that you have to have in the skills set in order to do one kind of work versus another. Yeah, and there was that dude Reefman, uh, who was the planning department chief for Rob. Reefman and I are ideological uh, opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, his belief is that you uh, give, you, you see the development of rich, powerful people, trickle down development, and then like a drop hits some poor guy. And, oh, that's progress. <laughs> Quick, get the press conference. Uh, <laughs> I have more of a new deal attitude. Like, you know, okay, so we have different ideas. But I, that's a skilled lawyer. I got to give him credit, okay? For years and years, a zoning lawyer, whatever, TIF lawyer. Uh, so there are guys on the other side who are really smart. Don't get oh, me. yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But I'm talking yeah. about the politicians generally. Yeah. The politicians, the guys who run for office, more often than not, they're guys who don't know how to do shit. They don't even know how to type, for Christ's sake. They could have got a job as a secretary. Somewhere. Wait, time out. Do you know how to type? Of course I do. I went to Curie yes. High School, and I learned. I had took three years of typing, brother. Dang, three years? Three years, because I was a business major at. Hey, at time out. What did you learn in year two that you hadn't already learned in year one? 
Oh, how to type faster and, uh, you know, more uh, accurately. Wow, man. I took one year of typing. I actually took a summer school class in it. It was the most useful class, pound for pound, that I took at Evanston Township High School. <laughs> it took, I think back to my uh, my career at Evanston. Oh, God, what an embarrassment. Yeah, and along with those typing classes, I also took computer language classes, you know, COBOL and all that other stuff. So it wasn't yeah. just like typing alone. But, yes, I did take typing. You were ahead of me in that one. Uh, all right. Uh, so another reason I um, really enjoyed and appreciated uh, the Burke trial uh, is that uh, there were moments of um, color uh, provided. Thanks. Uh, one more time. Thank you, Danny Solis. Uh, that Danny dutifully captured on the wire that he was wearing. Uh, one more time, ladies and gentlemen. Not because he just woke up one morning and goes, I must do the right thing for the people of the city of Chicago and expose the corruption of Ed Burke. No, no, no. They caught him in a scheme where he's swapping favors for Viagra. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget the Viagra. Do you think the Sun-Times would have written the story if they didn't have the Viagra question, uh, the connection with Viagra? That is the question of the day, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you can see the Sun-Times editorial meeting like, guys, we can put Viagra. We have an excuse to put Viagra in the newspaper. Viagra and, and hand jobs at massage parlors. <laughs> yeah, yes. The bright one was going, let's run with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So, um uh, earlier today, uh, you mentioned uh, in passing, I don't know if you're aware of this, a reference to one of your favorite movies that we have discussed uh, on this show, Goodfellas. It's a movie that Adolfo has probably seen 34 times, at least. Uh, I've not seen it that many times. I'm not as in love with Goodfellas as I am with, let's say, the Godfather movies, when you talk about mobster movies. Um, Adolfo, we could do a whole show. We already did a whole show on this. Uh, is he really knows he's a student of mob movies. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Sergio Mims, may you rest in peace. We did a whole show about mob movies. Great show. Uh, but one thing that struck me, uh, I have to say this, Goodfellas script is brilliant. So many great lines in it. And when I was watching uh, or I was reading the Bright Ones account of the Ed Burke trial, once again, thank you sometimes. When I was reading that account of the Ed Burke trial, it struck me, how much the language of Ed Burke is similar to that in Goodfellas. And so I thought, next time Adolfo comes on, I'm going to give him a test. So I'm going to read a quote from Goodfellas and a quote from the Ed Burke trial. This <laughs> 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 is your alderman, ladies and gentlemen. This is, the, the, smartest is this man the Pepsi this. blind test here? <laughs> <laughs> and you got to tell me which is which. Hey, Chicago, just when I say this, okay? Henry Hill, you did not elect him as your alderman, but you elected Ed Burke. But he's so smart. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, bring it on. Bring it on. All right, here we go. So I will read a quote. Quote, as far as I'm concerned, they can go fuck themselves. End of quote. That's one quote. Here's okay. another quote. Fuck you, pay me. Which one is Goodfellows and which one is Ed Burke? Well, the first one is Fast Eddie Burke, and the second the second one is Ray Liotta. Fuck you, pay me. Oh, you don't have his money? Fuck you, pay me. Oh, the the place went down in fire. Oh, fuck you, pay me. I like when I when Burke's like so obsessed with. Did he get the business? Did they hook the tuna? Did they get the deal? And I was thinking, good fellows, good all the yep. matters and good oh, fellows. Totally. 
Pay me. <laughs> Fuck you, pay me. Oh my goodness. That's a great one. Fuck you, pay me. Henry Hill. You know what? Here's a question for you, uh, Adolfo. Would the citizens of Chicago elect Henry Hill if he was running for alderman on the grounds of Ben? <laughs> he can get things done. He really can, Ben. <laughs> well, judging on Henry Hill's uh, appearances on the Howard Stern show, probably. <laughs> oh, wait, Henry Hill was on the Howard Stern show. Oh, oh right, yeah, right. he would have he would have him often uh, at Is the end. Right? You know, yeah, he'd have him on there and he'd talk about like he he. But you know, Henry Hill had a substance abuse problem. He was so high and drunk. He had yeah. admitted to like crimes that never came out, you know, and stuff like that. All right. Uh, I'll give one more uh, quote and then uh, uh, let me get a good one. Uh, hold on. Wait, where's the one I want? Hold on. I have to find this one. This is my favorite quote in uh, Goodfellas. Hold on. Uh, wait, where are we going? Oh, I can't find it now. Uh well, I mean, this is actually my favorite quote, but there's nothing like remotely like it in the Burke trial unless you can think of something. I'm funny how? Like a clown? <laughs> Do I amuse you? Uh, uh, but one that should have been in this trial, but it was in Goodfellas, was when the prosecutor faces Ray Liotta at the end, uh, when Ray Liotta, is play who's playing Henry Hill, is testifying against the his fellow mobsters. The uh, the I mean the the criminal defense attorney, not the prosecutor, asks uh, Henry Hill. He's like, "Is it true that you're a rat? Because oh, yeah, a rat will do anything to survive. Yeah. I don't know anything about being a rat." No, that's the one. <laughs> and essentially, I... that's what they asked him. The first question to Danny was, "Isn't it true you're just testifying here because you want to save your ass?" Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Though that but was you know what? But but Danny fucking took it. All right, it. we'll get into that now. I okay. just put the rat quote because there's a great rat quote in Goodfellas, and for some reason I, I had it. Now I can't. Was find it the it. one where they kill Spider and he's like his whole family was a rat? He was a fucking rat or something like yeah, that. Something or, like that. Yeah, I can't find it. Uh, but the whole the concept is that the worst thing you could do is to uh, rat on somebody. So the actual crime is not as bad as ratting. Okay, right. all right. right. But the the ratting, and that's Chicago buys it. Well, that. well, and, and to that point, remember when the Sun Times broke the story about Danny wearing a wire? They went to City Hall and they interviewed all of these long term incumbent fucking aldermen, and they were all one of them. What's her name? Who's also been charged with a criminal? Uh, with taking um, bribes or something, um, was like crying and saying, "Like Danny, you betrayed us. How could yeah. you? I did. You know what's her name? Um, Carrie Austin. Yeah, Carrie, I think you're yeah. talking about all the woman Carrie Austin. All right. Yes. Uh, so, yes, this this gets to a very Chicago uh, mentality uh, issue here. The notion in the city of Chicago, uh, they're ratting out that tattletaling uh, is worse than the crime. Uh, and Adolfo is absolutely correct. The aldermen, the alders were more outraged uh, at uh, Danny Solis for wearing the wire than they were at Ed Burke for allegedly committing <laughs> these acts, uh, even though they drove up everyone's property taxes. Chicago, hello. When Ed Burke got Ed, uh, Donnie Trump to pay less on his tower, he raised your taxes. I know right. it's complicated. And, and, and on, a, on a small tangent here. Did you read that guys like Joe Proko were were present on yeah, uh, the testimony? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, who yeah, also yeah. was found guilty, or didn't he plead to some some kind of crime also? And like his Proko was here, he'd say he wasn't found guilty. It was some kind of plea deal, uh, right, or something? Plea deal, yeah. Uh, yeah. Proko Joe, yeah. All right, yeah, he was there. He was in court, uh, and uh, yeah, no, they they love him. I'm telling you, <laughs> you show an alderman where the copy machine is, he's <laughs> yours for life. <laughs> 
Ben, I couldn't find it. And he showed me. Ed Burke got a standing ovation from the Chicago City Council. Yeah. A standing ovation. And if I recall correctly, Proko, at your first, the first inaugural yeah. first Tuesday, <laughs> basically defended patronage to a, a to a, to to a progressive crowd saying like oh i wish it was like the old days where we could dole out jobs like that first of all you were at the audience yeah it was uh you were there uh all right just to fill in the blanks a little bit that show featured uh scotty Wagasback, proco joe moreno and uh richard mel richard okay. mel yes yeah and mel was the one who just loved it he got in front of all those lefties and he goes i did it once i do it again i love it and he bragged about these jobs he handed out where people did nothing oh those and then he good. would say he would justify it by saying like for example i got this kid this one uh job uh at the bridge with the, didn't even go raise up or down because i got him through medical school that way yeah. oh you got him through medical school wait was it medical school or law school i can't remember which one i Somebody. think it was medical school if medical i remember school, correctly. okay yeah uh, i apologize richard mel if it was law school not medical school <laughs> anyway proco joe was like yeah he, was, he got all fired up over me you know, he got all fired up he went on a fucking tangent i remember like oh like oh i wish it was like the old days <laughs> It was a great system. It By worked. the way, I just want to point out, we've had on that stage, Proco Joe, Richard Mel, uh, Ricky Munoz, Adolfo's favorite, uh, just laughing, uh, and uh, Danny Solis. Was yeah, you had stage. Danny, right? We had Danny. <laughs> Mick and I always go, do you think he was wearing a wire that night? Do you think he was wearing a wire? I, I, think, we, I think we think it, we figured out that it was before he started wearing a wire. Unless he was just wearing a wire for the hell of it. I like wearing wires, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, all right. Uh, so, Danny Solis, since the last time we were on the show uh, for the world's greatest coverage of the Ed Burke trial, um, we talked about Danny Solis going on the stand and you did a great job of presenting all the challenges uh, of having Danny Solis testify. And you were, uh, this is right before he came on as the defense witness. He was pretty much the entirety, the entirety of the defense was the, uh, it's not technically a cross examination because he was the defense's witness. So I don't know. It was, why do they call it a hostile he was, witness? Because he was hostile because he basically, he was the other side's guy. But you're yeah. using him in your case in chief, so it, 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 you could treat him. And the advantage to that is that when you do direct examination of a witness, even if it's your witness or a third party or whatever, you have to uh, ask questions uh, that are not leading. So, for example, I can't ask you, uh, something like, isn't it true that you love the Bulls, Benny? Basically feeding you the answer, yes or no, right? Yes. They have to ask you, can you please tell me what your favorite NBA teams are? Then you would have to come out with the Bulls on your own, right? So because he was adverse or hostile, they could ask him leading questions like saying, isn't it true you're a rat? Yes or no, right? You know, like that. Isn't it true you're a rat? <laughs> no, I'm not a rat. Yes, I'm a rat. You know, instead of saying like, well, you know, um, what would you say about yourself, uh, you know, in terms of your testimony here today? You know, he's not going to say he's a rat. But if you say, isn't it true you're a rat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> isn't it true you're a rat? So, well, so, it so, basically, so it's, it's advantageous <laughs> in that. Uh, but it, it, there's a there's a good reason for it. But, yes, he was a hostile witness. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if asked on the stand, if isn't it true uh, you're a rat? I guess I'd have to say if I were Danny, so yeah. I, I am a rat. I am yeah. ratting him out. You know, yeah. you'd have to go to another favorite show of ours, The Wire, 
where Omar yes. goes goes on the stand and the, the attorney goes like, well, but aren't you a killer? Aren't you a person who robs uh, drug dealers? He's like, yeah, but it's all in the game though, right? Yeah. I use the gun and you use the pen. What's the yeah. difference, right? Yeah, you, you know? know the game too. And the, and, the, and the lawyer gets all upset. Oh, I'm not in the game. I'm legit. <laughs> Oh wow, that's but great. you know, Danny did take it. He answered basically when they asked him, "Isn't it true that you're just here to save yourself?" And he said, "Yes." Okay, so you know? we'll get to that. We'll get to the trial. Uh, if this was a better organized show, I would have sent this uh, to Adolfo, and uh, we would have done a dramatic reason reading, <laughs> or Adolfo would have been the uh, uh, the, pro- the, the, the defense pros- attorney. The defense attorney. So here's the defense. The def- this is the defense of Ed Burke, and uh, it gets to the heart of uh, what the city how the city council responded when news broke that Danny wore the wire in the city of Chicago. If you just take 12 people from the Chicago area who live in this area and you ask them what's worse committing the crime or ratting someone out for the crime. The bet of the prosec- of the defense is that most of those people will say the rat is worse than the criminal. If the city council is any indication, that's the case. The city council, one more time, Chicago, the people that you elected as your alders gave a standing ovation to Ed Burke. And by the way, I didn't even talk about it. One of my opinion, Ed Burke's worst crime against Chicago, which is the racism of the Harold Washington years, which is ancient history. So I'm not even going to go down that road today at this show. But I'm just saying, we, we haven't even gotten into his worst crimes, perpetuating hate and hostility to this day. Oh, God, I can't. Anyway, all right. So, uh, so I believe that in the back of their mind, they think all we have to do is put the spotlight on Danny Solis as a rat. And when that jury goes into that jury room, they go rat versus this long, convoluted, complicated case of trying to force people to hire him. I'm, I'm with. I can't stand the rat. Let's uh, acquit uh, Eddie Burke. That's my sense. If you just boil it down to what their defense was, do you agree with me or disagree with me? I agree with you. I think that's very insightful. I think that, I mean, you know, to think of it in terms of that, because I would, you know, I would think of it just as in like, well, this is kind of a quasi entrapment, which it is, but yours is actually going even deeper and basically saying like, look, in terms of a human being, a Chicagoan, actually, in terms of the, the mindset of a normal Chicagoan, this, this, this is really about a rat to them anyway right their narrative is this is a rat versus this honorable man that i am i have the pleasure of representing <laughs> jury members i i am so honored this is the honor of my life to be able to represent and defense the uh, great you know honorable <laughs> alderman burke yes. you know so yes. basically you're right at the at the real core of this whole defense is not even quasi entrapment or you know it's or did can they prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt it's basically ladies and gentlemen you have a fucking rat right here and on the other side you have this great statesman the 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 the, you know the 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 lion of the city council the the elder statesman the man who has written books and has you know and and has helped um uh, you know, uh, and 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 hobnobs with the Kennedys, and you know, and represented Donald Trump and other famous people in their property tax. Uh, oh, they didn't say that. Oh well, no, no they, yeah, they, they tried to keep that one out. They okay. did try to keep that one out. But you know, but other famous people, you know, uh, 
you know, the Shrivers and uh, with the Special Olympics yeah. and uh, et cetera, right? So that's basically, you're absolutely right. That's very insightful. I mean, that that is really, you know the Chicago. That That is really the mentality of that defense. It's basically yeah. like, okay, we don't have shit to hang, our, to hang our hat on, but at the core of the day, we can count on Chicagoans being fucking Chicagoans. And let's let's get at it. Rap bastard versus beautiful statement over here. This guy, I, I want to kiss his hand like if he was the Pope. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. You, you can oh, that's a great line. You can count on Chicagoans to be a Chicagoans. Yeah. And uh so before uh, Danny took the stand, uh, you were uh, analyzing like what you were you were sort of anticipating how he did. I'll read you some exchanges. Uh, this is again one one more time. Thank you, Bright One, uh, for dutifully recording these things. Uh, so I, you give me script material on my show. I don't know what I do without you. So um, I'll give you a couple exchanges. Here we go. A lawyer for Burke asked Solis, "Quote: You're not going to serve any years in prison, right?" Solis responds, "Not according to my agreement." <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so then the lawyer, like doubling down confirming uh, that Solis did not expect to serve any, quote, days, quote, or hours. Like, like, let's just boil it down a little bit. So you're not any days in prison? No. Any hours in prison? No. Like, I'm surprised he didn't say minutes. All right. And uh, here we go. Here's another exchange. Um, This is the lawyer uh, from Burke. Did you do this so you could try and get Mr. Burke to say something that you could help yourself with? And Solis responds, quote, I was trying to help myself by recording Ed Burke, but I wasn't trying to get him to say any particular thing. So while th- this lawyer is doing this, this is hours on the stand. He's yelling at him and uh, like really pushing him around a little bit. Wow. Uh, so in your humble opinion, uh, how did it all? And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, this is an unbiased uh, opinion as you get because he doesn't like either person. Solis or Burke. All right. right so, right. yeah, you got no horse in this race. Right. Exactly. Uh, uh, so, in your opinion, uh, how did Danny do on this on the witness stand? I got to say, I got to give him an A and I got to give the prosecution an A because it sounds based on the answers that they prepared him very well. Now, when you prepare, there's a fine line. You can't feed answers to your witness, but you could definitely polish up the way and suggest how they could polish up their answers, right? So you can't say, Danny, say this, but what you could say is, well, Danny, a better way of saying it is this way. And that answer to, you know, uh, are you going to serve any any time, not according to my agreement, is such a legal fucking prep witness, (laughs) you know? I mean, so he did, he he, he underwent and did his homework and, um, and he stood his ground. I mean, because as we were saying last time, you know, being able to sit there and confront the person you're accusing and the bright one, I think described Burke as looking straight at, at Danny immediately, uh, 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 holding his hands in a tent or triangle right underneath his chin or nose. And basically look at him. Like I said, you dirty bastard, you motherfucker. I dare you to say that shit in front of me. And although meek, meekly, Danny apparently stood his ground for three hours, took his fucking licking like a man, and uh, and, and he stood his ground and he and he answered, you know, and uh, and he did uh, the prosecution proud because uh, he didn't waver. Okay, because that's wait, the threat. Never. He didn't waver. I, 
I think you're mixing up uh, Burks. Here's one from the bright one about uh, the when Danny was on the stand. Quote, Burke watched from the defense table, but he did not appear to make eye contact with Solis. When Solis uh-huh. stepped off the witness stand during two breaks in his testimony, the pair seemed to avoid crossing paths. When Solis stepped off the witness stand the final time, Burke looked forward and tapped his right hand on a table while holding a pen as Solis left the courtroom. I think you were thinking of a different moment where Solis like yeah, because I, 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 I read one where 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 Burke was yes. and I remember it because they said they tented his hands as like an isosceles triangle underneath. So you know what? So then that that basically it made it easier for Danny because Burke chickened out. Burke didn't look him in the eye. Burke, you know, I I would have sworn Burke Burke would have looked him right in the fucking eye and been like, you know what, Danny, I put those frijoles and tortillas on your fucking uh, dinner table for years. I dare you to say that shit in front of everybody. But he didn't. Apparently, that made the job much easier for for Danny, in my opinion, because it's a motherfucker to be there and 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 have to look at somebody who was your friend, your mentor, you know, your buddy, the guy who put those frijoles and tortillas on that table by, you know, uh, hooking up, uh, you know, people you know with uh, with all different sorts of favors. Well, I would submit to you that the man who put the frijoles, uh, using your metaphor, on Danny's table was not Ed Burke, but Richard M. Daly. Yeah, that, but it's kind of the same thing. It all it's all kind of the same. Well, thing. this is this is where I, I I push back. Okay. Because and this is this is the point I want. I really try to make with Chicagoans when talking to a Chicagoan. A, Alderman has power, particularly in the days of Daly and Rom, by virtue of the fact that the mayor allows that alder person to have power. So, Rom and uh, daily are responsible for Ed Burke for whatever reason they decided they wanted him. And I think your uh, LBJ uh, metaphor is the app one. They wanted him on their team. They figured just let him be the finance chair, right. let him shake down people with his property tax appeal business. That way he won't be any bothered us. He'll use his, persuasion to help us pass every single piece of dumbass legislation we want, including selling the Skyway, including selling the parking garages, including selling uh, the parking meters. Whatever dumb idea we have, Ed Burke will call it a great idea. So it's better to have him there. So a guy like Danny Solis, and this is like a, I don't know where are His power, whatever Danny Solis power came from the fact that he sucked up to Daly's masterfully <laughs> the daily remember when old boy went to uh was indicted and had to leave office as 25th ward alderman uh blanking on the name of the alderman before Medrano? Medrano? Medrano, yeah Medrano. uh danny daily appointed uh daily oh yeah that's right daily, daily appointed, appointed yeah right. so it was sucking up the daily that got him his free holies burke was just like putting a little sauce on him while they were eating <laughs> So, uh, so you think Burke kind of copped out there, huh? That Burke, uh... yeah. See, I was under the impression, and and based on what I've known of the man, uh, I would have thought that he would have just looked him straight in the eye. He's the kind of guy that I would have thought would look him straight in the eye. And when I read that about the tenting of the of the the hands underneath the chin or the on the nose, 
I thought they were talking about when Danny went out. But according to this account that you're telling me, wow, yeah. that means that means Burke punked out because the whole point of having calling Danny in part, not only putting him as a rat, but making him uncomfortable being up there, making him think twice about what he's saying, looking him dead in the eye and being like, you dirty rat bastard motherfucker. Yeah. How dare you? How dare you? Think about my wife. Think about my kids. Think about what I did for you over the years, all the favors I might have done for your daughters or for this or for that, you know, if there were any done. I don't yeah. know. But, yeah. you know, I, and, and put them on the stand. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, and uh, so. All right. Uh, we're getting down to the wire here. Uh, I'm reading from today's Sun-Times article. Uh, the instructions from the judge to the jury yesterday took a couple hours, I think, to read 300 pages. 300 jury instructions, dude. Damn, come on, man. That's I'm like, wow. <laughs> See what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, they, this. I feel for this jury, okay? These guys, I feel for them. Uh, and I'm reading from uh, the Sun-Times story, uh, once again, John Seidel uh, and Maria Wolfel, uh, to convict Burke of racketeering, judge Jurors must be convinced he committed two acts as part of a larger part pattern. There are five umbrella acts listed, acts, A-C-T-S, listed in Burke's indictment, but each one contains multiple allegations that jurors will be allowed to choose from. And then the acts include things like uh, allegedly shaking down the owner of the Burger King, shaking down the developer of the post office, the old post office site. Uh, these are all allegations. Uh, the, the guy in the 45th Ward who, who wanted to put the sign up. I forget. The, uh, and then all of the field museum. Just, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I think that's it. Uh, probably one I forgot. Well, um, the post office, right? There was the post yeah, office. Yeah, I said the old, that was the developer, okay. the old post office. Uh, he wanted TIF money. He Burke was going to help him uh, deal with uh, Amtrak. Amtrak, right. Yeah, it did. Oh, I, he, I knew some man, official at Amtrak. We made his daughter a judge. That's yeah. straight out of Goodfellas. Come on. Dude. We made his daughter a judge. <laughs> oh, Lord, what a city. Oh, um, he showed me the copy machine. Uh, and um, so uh, your thoughts, uh, any predictions on how the jury will go? This is a tremendously complicated case. The instructions are laborious. On the one hand, and the other hand, Danny's a rat. Danny's around. <laughs> Which way do you, you know, think the jury's going to go? I think, and I'm putting it mostly based on the outcome of the Com Ed cases, mm -hmm. which were also in federal court. Um, I think that they will find uh, Burke guilty at the end of the day. I don't know how quickly they're going to deliberate because the question is here too. There's Christmas looming and people get angsty. They've already been uh, hearing this testimony for weeks and now Christmas is coming, you know, we're coming upon the solstice with the, the, the darkest day, you know, longest night of the year. Uh, people get winter blues, people are anx anxious and antsy. And I don't know how that could cut. Um, my sister who served on a couple of federal juries tells me that that could cut in favor of Burke because people are like, let's just go home. Fuck it. You know, innocent. Well, right. Yeah. The judge did say that she was going to uh, not hold the jurors. She's so compassionate. I give the judge credit. She said, you know, I'm not going to, if, if you still haven't finished your deliberations by Christmas, I'm going to give you a break to go have Christmas with your family. So, um, uh, yeah, but yeah, you know, so. it's gotta be looming on their head, but that's a lot of material. I mean, just the jury instructions alone, 300 yeah. fuck. 
I you know. know? And, and the danger for the <laughs> yeah. prosecution is that in putting everything, you know, everything in the kitchen sink that they had up there is that people are going to be confused. But the upside is that they'll at least find one thing. And they even if they just find one count, that'll be a victory for them. Yes. Because one count, one count will basically be like a death sentence for someone of Ed Burke's age, you know? Yeah. So, and I don't know about that. Kind of you think so? You think that he's, well, he's, if it's, if it's, you know, so I actually, I haven't even looked at what the sentencing guidelines are for yeah. all of these counts, but I mean, the man is what? 78, 79, something like that. Uh, younger than Biden. Biden's running for reelection. He's about yeah. the age of Donnie Trump. Donnie Trump's yeah, running. Yeah, but you know, you, even if you go to a low max uh, federal prison, I mean, I've been listening on YouTube to all these. Uh, I don't know if you've seen these podcasts of people who've been in federal jail and then they they talk about life in 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 the jail. Dude, it ain't no picnic. Even no, the guy with Brooke will 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 you know will have some static in there, but. Um, so I, you know, I think ultimately though, based on uh, what happened with the ComEd. Um, trials and hopefully this will then continue the chain towards Madigan's trial which is coming up in a couple months I'm hopeful that they will come back with a guilty um, with a guilty uh, verdict alright I had uh, uh, let's let everybody know I had breakfast with Jimmy Coogan today and uh, he said he'll come on the show uh, Ace Attorney we're going to talk about the Madigan thing we're talking about the case uh, that's now before the Supreme Court coming out of Indiana and the implications that could have for the Madigan jury so there's a lot of legal issues uh, I am obsessed again one more time I'm not a lawyer I never went to law school I was lucky to get out of high school but I am obsessed uh, with um, legal matters and I really appreciate my uh, my friends who are lawyers like Adolfo I'll come explain things and I'll close with this this conversation you hear between me and Adolfo are variations of the ones that we have whenever we go to a White Sox game together which sit up there and the beneficiaries are the people who sit in front of us we talk nonstop at a White Sox game from the moment because Lord knows there's nothing really to watch on the field. <laughs> <laughs> and then when the Bulls game, at least the Bulls are a little entertaining. Uh, and um, so I'm going to close with a White Sox question to you. I told you I was going to pose it to you. Uh, and this is inside baseball, ladies and gentlemen. So I apologize to all you politicals out there who have no idea what I'm talking about. But Jerry Reinsdorf, owner of the White Sox, was quote unquote seen. Uh, exiting the mayor of Nashville's office a few weeks ago. The papers wrote it up. Uh, and uh, the suggestion was that he was negotiating with or listening to overtures from the mayor of Nashville about moving uh, my beloved White Sox uh, from Chicago to Nashville and Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, so Adolfo Mondragon, as a longtime White Sox fan, as a White Sox season ticket holder, as a guy who stuck with this dreadful team through thick and thin, who still remind, remind, who still remembers fondly that one playoff win in 2021, <laughs> <laughs> when they won, win the one game they won against the Houston. one fucking game. He was there. He was at that game. They beat the Astros. One game, ladies. one game, one game. They got one playoff win out of that great team. Uh, do you think it was a just happenstance that some reporter goes, oh, my God, I'm standing outside the mayor's office here in Nashville, and I just saw Jerry Reinsdorf walk out. Do you think it was just happenstance, or do you think? No, I don't think it was, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Until you asked me the question, 
I didn't even think twice about it, even though it's so fucking obvious <laughs> that somebody, it had to be somebody who was already knew that he was going to be there yeah. and it had to be planted so that it could start, you know, getting people nervous about, you know, Jerry's, uh, you know, uh, the possibility that he's moving the team to, to, you know, to another place. And uh, it, it's just, but you don't even Pony think, up. but that's the thing. You don't even think twice about it. You're just like so pissed that he's fucking over there talking yeah. to these dudes. <laughs> That you don't even think like this is part of his fucking game of chess. Yeah. He planted this shit. Cause who the fuck would give a fuck about Jerry Reinsdorf getting on a fucking I don't think he he, he flies commercial, first of all, on his on a, a rented Lear jet to go to fucking Memphis or whatever and have Natural. this meeting with his mayor or Nashville. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah. Uh that was well put. That's the voice of Adolfo Mondragon, ace attorney, dear friend of the show. Uh, White Sox fan extraordinaire, although I think that's being tested at the moment. <laughs> Dude, but you're talking about going. You were talking about going back to the Cubs if Otani uh, came to. Chicago. I was. I, I I actually. I don't know if I said that on a mic. I've said it to so many different people. I flew with the Cubs, but. If they had assigned Otani, I'd have been right back in that bandwagon. Man, I love that dude. I, I man, but no, no, the Dodgers get him. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, the deal that the Dodgers got on him about having to do with deferred payment is like so brilliant. <laughs> they they circumvented the collective bargaining agreement that puts a cap on the salaries. I know this is way inside baseball. Most people, but, dude, but dude, it would only work with an Otani who's actually who can live on two million a year. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> all these other stars would have been a two million shit. That doesn't even pay for my cars and shit, you know? I, I can live on two million a year. Hey, oh, anybody out yeah. there wants to, to sign me up for a podcasting deal, I'll take the <laughs> deferred payment too. Uh, <laughs> wow, what a deal. Tani, I don't know who thought it. They, you know, it's a funny thing. The lawyers are going, it was Tani's idea. The agent was like, it's, they've given all the credit to Tani. Maybe Otani should be the finance chair of the Chicago City Council. You know, he's so and so. <laughs> All right, Adolfo, I'm going to let you get back to your work, uh, your work day. Thank you so much. The Thank world's you. best coverage of the Ed Burke trial right here at the Ben Jarofsky Show. Adolfo Mondragon. Well, yes, we'll bring him back when the jury comes back with its verdict one way uh -huh. or the other. All right. <laughs> so we're not done with the Ed Burke trial, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Adolfo, we have a deal on that one? Absolutely. And we'll be right back and we'll see if we're right. Yes, we'll see if we're right. All right, that's Adolfo Mondragon. I also want to thank producer Chris. He does an outstanding job. Ed Burke, Danny Solis, and Adolfo agree. Hey, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. That's all for today, but stay warm, Chicago. Make sure if you want more Ben Jarofsky show, head to chicagoreader.com. You can check it out from your mobile device. You can check it out from your computer. You can probably check it out from your toaster nowadays. These things are your technology is moving leaps and bounds ahead of me. If you want to follow Ben on Instagram, it's at Benny J Show. Don't forget to like and subscribe and follow the Ben Jarofsky Show on all your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.